morning, everybody. We're going to look at the 100th Psalm this morning. Psalm 100. It's the only Psalm out of 150 in the Psalms that is subtitled a Psalm for Thanksgiving. Now, there's a lot of thanks expressed in other Psalms, but this is the one that has that subtitle. In fact, I'm going to ask that we bring that up on the slide there. And uh, we would, I'd like to ask you to join me in just reading this joyfully together. Okay? Join me. Go. Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful singing. Know that the Lord himself is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His loving kindness is everlasting and his faithfulness to all generations. In those five verses, there are five exhortations, five commands. Shout, serve, know, come, and enter. It's our duty to worship. It really is our duty to worship. But as we'll see as this psalm unfolds, it's our great privilege to worship the Lord. I want you to imagine that you are a Jewish person in ancient Israel, and you are going to attend one of the annual feasts. There were three annual feasts you were compelled to come to in obedience to the law. And so you have started out on your journey with a caravan, and your destination, ultimate destination, is the temple. Your purpose is to worship God, and your motivation is to give thanks to God for all that He's done for you and your family. Along the way, something happens. The journey is long and arduous. The sun is hot. The path is steep. And uh, your pack is heavy. And this caravan is really slow. And you begin to ask yourself, why did I even begin this journey? But then you come into Jerusalem and you come up toward the Temple Mount and you begin to hear the strains of praise and worship coming from the temple courts. And you're reminded. Your mind is refocused on your purpose to worship God with thanksgiving. This would have been the experience of many pilgrims that came to Jerusalem for those feasts because that's exactly what was happening in those temple courts. And they'd bring a sacrifice offering, a thanksgiving offering into that temple court. Now maybe when you got up this morning, you had every intention to come to gather with God's people, to worship God, to give thanks to Him. But along the way, you got distracted by texts that came in, or your own texting, or frustrations, or remembering other things. And maybe you had a fight on the way to church. And it's like, you forgot. But maybe... When you came in and you heard the strains of praise and worship, you were refocused and reminded that, no, this is the place to give thanks to God with brothers and sisters in Christ. It truly is, because uh, that's what corporate worship is all about. It, it reminds us, refocuses our hearts so that 
Worship with thanksgiving becomes a part of our daily expression to him. Well, when the psalmist expressed these principles in here, he calls all of God's people to worship. Because thanksgiving is not a day on the calendar. It's not just uh, doing something if we're in the mood to do it. No, it's expressing thanks because of who God is and what he's done. And that's what I want us to consider for a few moments this morning. There's an outline in your bulletin, and I want you to take another look at this psalm that we just read and some of the principles. Here's the first. We'll enter his gates with thanksgiving when we've experienced the Lord's faithful care as our good shepherd. When we've experienced it and when we recognize it. When we're aware of what he's done for us. Look at verse 3. The psalmist says, Know that the Lord himself is God. And he doesn't mean just know intellectually. He means to know experientially. Because you've tasted and you've seen the Lord is good in your life. He says, It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. Some people haven't figured that out. Some people don't want to admit it. Because when you acknowledge that the Lord has made you, then there's an accountability built in. There's a whole segment of our society that doesn't want to acknowledge that at all because they want to live as they please and never give account to him who made them. May O'Connell is a dear older lady in our congregation, and she has made lays for our guests on Sunday mornings for decades, actually, she and other lay makers. And uh, on the night of the election, she stayed on the couch, but about 3 a.m., went to get up and fell and broke her hip. And I found out we were uh, in Nashville at the time. And uh, she went to the hospital. Now she's in rehab, and she's doing very well. She's always had such an amazingly positive attitude. But I talked to her on the phone the other day, and she said one of her therapists is... um, Well, he grew up going to church, but he's abandoned his faith, she said, because of all the bad things that happen in the world. She said, I'm trying to figure out how to talk to him. And I said, well, I've got a book that might be helpful to him. And I dropped it by Dee and I went to see her yesterday, more than a carpenter. I thought maybe that would be helpful. But she said, I've thought of what I'm going to ask him. I'm going to ask him, so... I know you're disappointed in all the bad things, but when something good happens, who do you thank? And I thought, that's great. And coming from sincere May's heart, I think that God can use that in that guy's life. It's true. I mean, do you thank your lucky stars? Who do you thank? Primarily, people ultimately have to thank themselves because it's all about us if it's not about him who made us and provides us with life and every breath that we have. And so he says, it is he who made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people, and the sheep of his pasture. For the Lord is good. His loving kindness is everlasting, and his faithfulness to all generations. Throughout Scripture, the people of God are likened to the flock of God, with him being the shepherd. And if you know anything about sheep... And I grew up with sheep on occasion on our farm. I mean, sheep need a shepherd. They can't feed themselves. They won't go to another pasture. They'll just stay there and grub it down to nothing. They can't 
protect themselves, they're doomed without a shepherd. And we who are the people of God realize we have a shepherd who leads us, who feeds us, who protects us and cares for us. And thanksgiving emanates from our hearts because we recognize that we're his people and the sheep of his pasture. But sometimes we're not content to be that sheep that follows the shepherd. I saw a cartoon in one of our discipleship books some years ago. And uh, there's a shepherd standing there with his crook in his Middle Eastern garb. And uh, he's got his shepherd's crook there. And there's the flock of sheep there. And they're all kind of placid, except for one little sheep. And this is a black little sheep who is standing there with his hoof raised at the shepherd. And there's kind of a startled look on the shepherd's face. And I'm thinking, sometimes we're like that, right? I mean, we want the shepherd to care for us as long as he doesn't interfere with our business. Because there may be some areas of our life we don't want him to touch. No, because we are in control in that area of our lives. We want to rule. It was about nine years ago. Uh, something happened in the White House, which I, I missed it, but I recently read about it. And uh, this is how the newspaper put it on October 31st, 2007. In an event unprecedented in American history, Brandon Myers, a relatively obscure Iowa 10-year-old with no previous experience in domestic politics, took advantage of a clear leadership void and seized control of the United States Tuesday after he slipped away from his White House tour group and locked himself in the Oval Office. The bloodless coup occurred when Myers, a fifth grader at Mulberry Elementary School, stormed into the empty office and seated himself at the president's desk, thereby toppling the world's longest-running democracy. Myers spent much of his reign, which lasted approximately from 2 p.m. to 2.15 p.m., spinning in circles in the president's chair, before proclaiming that he was President Jan uh, Brannon with a handwritten decree scrawled in cursive on White House stationery. Dana Perino was the press secretary at the time. And at a news conference following this, she said, Earlier this afternoon, sometime between a description of the James Buchanan portrait in the main hall and the question and answer session, a pre-adolescent boy overthrew the president and gained executive authority over the United States of America. Several minutes ago, our nation's new leader made his first statement, Brandon Rules. Well, Brandon is a lot like most of us. We want to be in charge. We want to be in control. And uh, we'll miss the authority of the Lord in those moments and see no need to give him thanks. Frederick Buchner was a theologian of yesteryear. And he, he made a statement in his book, Wishful Thinking, which is provocative and profound. And it reads this way. In the final analysis, Christians are not necessarily nicer people than everybody else. We're just better informed. Well, that sounds a little arrogant on the surface, but it's really true. Not because of our brilliance are we better informed, but because of God's grace. That we're better informed that he's God. 
and we're not. That he's the shepherd and we're the sheep. And people that don't know that, people that don't understand that, have missed that great information that would transform their hearts to where they could give thanks to the Lord as well. But I'm confident that most of you entered his gates this morning with thanksgiving, his courts with praise in your hearts. And I want to give you an opportunity to express that just now. We've got several people that have got microphones, and they're going to circulate. And I want you to just raise your hand and just stand. Tell us your name and what you'd like to give thanks to the Lord for this morning. Got to be brief, but uh, let's just have a number of you do that. So I'm going to ask our folks with the mics to spread out, get in the aisles, and uh, kind of just be ready uh, in different places to give thanks to the Lord. Who'd like to begin? I'll begin. Okay. Um, prime the pump here. Uh, Dee went to Nashville on October 31st to see Rocky and Adara, our son and daughter-in-law, and Brooks and Weston, six and three years of age, and here they are. And that's Weston on the left and Brooks down below Dee. I'm thankful for Dee and for our grandchildren, okay? I thank God for them. Okay, who's next? Okay, Norman. Yeah, I have one. Uh, as most of you know, this past year we've worked on the uh, classroom edition. There's someone in here special I'd like to be, I'm really thankful for, and that's Murray Bodden, and his wife is there, Bev. Uh, Mary was just such a dedicated person attending our weekly meetings, overseeing the um, construction and all of that. And uh, as many of you know, you know, Bev is going through some illness, and she was willingly sacrificing Mary to attend these Amen. meetings. Amen. So Mary and Bev, thank you. Amen. Very much. Thank you. Thank the Lord for you guys. That's right. Yeah. Tell us your name I'm, and praise. I'm Becky. I'm thankful the election's over. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, um, I'm Justin. Originally from Illinois, I'm glad after 108 years the Cubs won the World Series. The Cubs, all right, okay. <laughs> I'm Allison. Um, every day when we read in the newspaper, we read about the plight of the homeless. And I'm just so thankful that I have a commode, running water, a shower, and a warm, <clears throat> a warm home to... Uh, protect myself from the elements, so I'm very thankful for that. And I just wish that the people that are homeless uh, will find a way to um, overcome their situation. Amen. Thank you, Allison. Great. I'm just extremely grateful for how powerfully God is working in my lives and my family's lives. Amen. Thank you so much. I'm Murray. And uh, I'm thankful for so many uh, friends and family's prayers and the way in which God is faithful in answering that prayer, given the improvement of Bev. So Amen. thank you, all of you. Amen. Thank you. Continue to pray for you, Bev. Yes. I want to thank God. I'm Anna, and I'm very grateful for our small group. Um, my husband and I are not from originally from here, and we move around a lot. So having a very supportive small group is like God extending our family. Mm -hmm. Great, Anna. My name is Elaine Jackson, and I've been coming here forever. And, and I'm very grateful for the um, workers in this church and for Helen McKenzie and her daughter 
and now she has a, a son-in-law whose father used to be our preacher, Gallagher. And I'm grateful for being here, and I'm grateful for everybody that's coming here today to praise the Lord forever. Amen. All right. Thanks, Elaine. Amen. I'm Ryan, and um, I'm grateful for Kamaki Christian School uh, and uh, Mark Gallagher. And it has provided a great education for my son, and it also led my family to this church. So thank you. Wonderful. Great. Thank you, Ryan. Great. Okay, well, I know you've got praises and you've got things that you're grateful for. Uh, continue to share those with one another and your family. I mean, over a meal this week, certainly Thanksgiving meal, give opportunity for people to give thanks to the Lord uh, wherever you have your Thanksgiving meal. And uh, we need to be a people expressing thanks to God and to one another just because we know His loving kindness, His faithfulness, His goodness to us. Secondly... We'll enter his gates with thanksgiving, expressing our gratitude through joyful serving and worship. They're connected. Worship and serving are connected in Scripture. He begins this psalm by saying, Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful singing. God's plan for Israel was that they were to be a light to the nations that they were to so love the Lord and follow Him that other nations would be drawn to them and to Him and give thanks to Him. Now the church has been handed the baton, which is comprised of Jews and Gentiles, and we are called to go out and to make disciples of all nations who will come to know the Lord and worship Him and serve Him with gladness. Worshiping God, though, when you think about it, is a serious business. Think about it. When the creature comes before the creator, it's the finite coming before the infinite. It's the foolish coming before the omniscient. It's the weak coming before the omnipotent. It's sinful people coming into the presence of holiness. And that's serious. And yet the psalmist didn't say, come with somberness. So he said, come shouting with joy because your God has provided all this for you. And that's the attitude that we come to worship with. But sometimes we come with our arms folded and our attitude folded thinking, well, maybe they'll help me get in the mood to worship. And uh, it's like we're going to the doctor's office. In fact, this last week, one morning... Uh, I don't know how this happened, but Dee got to go with six-year-old Brooks to school where he was going to paint ceramics on a field tour, field trip. And I was selected to go with three-year-old Weston to the doctor's office for his three-year-old checkup where he's going to get a shot <laughs> to be supportive. And it's like he knew it was coming, you know. And so sometimes I thought, that's how we come into worship. <laughs> Just, oh man, do I have to even be here? But what we need to do, if you can see in this next picture, is come into worship like this. Now we're here to celebrate and to give glory to God. And uh, I just have to be creative on how I work my grandkids' pictures into these sermons. But anyway. <laughs> but you know, sometimes we think that worship is a spectator sport. And we come in and see how the worship team's doing and how the message is. And did you know 
that you can sit through a worship service and never worship. Our hearts never really connected to God during that service. Or sometimes we can sit through a worship service and somebody can say to us, how was worship today? And we begin rating everybody else's worship. Well, I thought that one song I didn't really care for, you know, the pastor's joke was pretty corny, or wait a minute. No, this is about our worship and how we are choosing to express thanks and praise to our God. That's an individual decision. And we shouldn't wait to see if we feel like it. Folks, we need to prepare for worship so that we come together with a desire and an intention to lift praises and thanksgiving to our great God. That is what pleases the Lord. And that worship then will express itself in service. Shout to the Lord, he says, with joy and serve the Lord with gladness. Serve the Lord in your family. Serve the Lord as an act of worship and thanksgiving in this church, in a ministry. Serve, this, serve the Lord in your community and in the place where you work or go to school. That service is to be done gladly, not grudgingly, not complainingly, not mechanically, but as an act of worship to the Lord. That's what brings praise to him. He goes on and says this, give thanks to his name, bless his name. Well, Dee had left for Nashville, and I didn't even know if I was going to be going. But then I got online, I grabbed a ticket, and I said, I called her and said, I'm going to come, but we'll surprise the kids. And, and then she called me back and said, did you know that the uh, Packers are going to be playing the Titans on the Sunday that you're there? I said, yeah, but I said, my priority is going to be really Weston's third birthday party. She said, well, well actually, Rocky's got some friends and we got tickets for you guys to go. And I said, okay. And... Uh, <laughs> So, so that was going to happen on Sunday. Now, I've got to give you a little background about Brooks. He's six, but a couple of years ago, when the Seahawks won the Super Bowl, he decided he was a Seahawks fan, to his dad's chagrin, because Rocky's long been a Broncos fan. And, but no, he's hung in there, you know, and we got him a jersey, a Seahawks jersey last year, and for Christmas and what have you. And so we were out in the backyard playing catch on Friday, and then we took a break, and we're sitting down, and he said, Grandpa, why do you love the Packers? Why, why are they your team? I said, well, Brooks, about 23 years ago, I was watching Monday Night Football. It was the opening Monday Night game, and uh, they just mentioned that the Packers are the only NFL team that's owned by the fans. I said, I really like that. And I said, that's my team. And they went on that year to win the Super Bowl. I said, a couple years ago, I even bought a share of the Packers, so I'm a part owner. And uh, he said, have they won more championships than the Seahawks? I said, Brooks, it isn't even close. And then I pulled it up on my phone and I showed him, showed him they'd won 13 titles. He said, wow. I said, do you know what they call Green Bay, Wisconsin? He said, no. I said, they call it Title Town. And he said, oh my gosh. He said, I have a new favorite second place team. <laughs> and that's the Seahawks because the Packers are my number one team now. <laughs> And in the days that followed, he was telling people that story and about Titletown and everything. And so he went to the game. He had a Marcus Mariota Titans jersey on. 
And then halfway through the game, he pulls it off, and underneath he has this Aaron Rodgers Packers jersey on. Now those, by the way, belong to the Hamadas. Mitz, Hamada, and Janelle named their second child Matthew Aaron Rodgers Hamada. And that's their jerseys they, bar- they loaned to me. Well, the night before we left, this is too long of an illustration for this, I apologize. The night before we left, uh, we're all praying together in the boys' room and just saying our goodbyes. But we finished the prayer, and Brooks looks over at me and says, Go back. I said, All right. <laughs> well, he is telling the name of the Packers. He's excited. Well, when somebody else wins, of course, they didn't win on that Sunday, but uh, he'll probably change to another team. But it's different with the Lord who, who supersedes everything. Let me tell you a quick story. There was a missionary in a remote region of India many years ago. And in that region, the people had deteriorating eyesight. They'd, they'd, they'd go blind. And he brought in, he was a medical missionary, he brought in medicine that stopped, that halted that deterioration. And uh, they would know leaving his office, that they would not go blind. And he said, but you know what? In all the years I was there, no one ever said thank you. He said, the reason they didn't is that phrase was not in their dialect. But what they would tell me, every one of them would tell me, a phrase that was in their language, I will tell your name. And it meant, I am so grateful to you. I will tell your name. And he said they did. Wherever they went, they'd tell his name and people would come for healing. Well, that's what it means to tell the name of the Lord, to be so grateful for what God has done for us that we want to tell his name. When we know the Lord experientially, when we've received his forgiveness, when we've seen his abundant blessings poured into our lives, we will worship joyfully intentionally, we will serve gladly and we'll tell his name to others. Let me close with some advice from actor Denzel Washington. He starred in various films like Training Day or Remember the Titans, two-time Academy Award winner. Denzel said he reads his Bible every day and he consistently strives to get up and speak of what God has done for him, to tell his name. At a church banquet in 2015, he told the people that they needed to have an attitude of gratitude, and this is what he said. Give thanks for blessings every day. Every day. Embrace gratitude. Encourage others. It is impossible to be, be, to be grateful and hateful at the same time. I pray that you put your slippers way under your bed at night so that when you wake in the morning, you have to start on your knees to find them. And while you're down there, say thank you. Giving thanks to the Lord. It's a duty. But it is a privilege for we who know the Lord that we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Let's bow together. Lord, thank you for this psalm that has, down through the ages, reminded your people of your goodness, of your love, of your provision. 
Thank you for the daily and continual reminders that we have in our lives. Thank you for the opportunity to worship you and to give thanks to you, not only as a congregation in singing, but as we exit to serve and bless those around us in your name and to tell others of your great name. We are most blessed of all people, and we're grateful, Jesus. We thank you in your name. Amen.